Hello and welcome to the Bikes and Bulldust podcast. It is October 2021. I am Todd Reed, and yet again, somewhere down the other end of the internet, is Jed Guthrie. Hello, mate. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here, mate. Yep. Yep. We're in lockdown still, so yeah. We are in lockdown, but I've taken it one step further than lockdown, mate. I'm in home isolation at the moment. Yeah, how many days into the 14 are you? Um, what's today? Sunday. So <laughs> I'm halfway through. So I'm seven and a bit days in. I come out next Saturday. Actually, it's next Friday night at 11.59pm. I come out of isolation at home. So it's a bit ridiculous, but I guess these are the weird and wonderful times we live in at the moment. So yeah, what do you do? Yeah, I'd be going mental. Oh. Yeah, so I was a close contact of a COVID positive person. I was in the same car as them and at work. And um, yeah, it's, it's led to me having a holiday at home with the kids and the wife and all the rest of it. It's actually been all right. I've got some stuff done around the house and all that kind of thing. So I'm getting by. <laughs> Just waking up at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, why not? What else have I got to do? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. What have you been up to, mate? How's your month been? Yeah, no, well, yeah, same in lockdown, can't leave the LGA, so getting heaps of odd jobs done around here and live on the bush, obviously, so um, mountain biking, flat out. Yeah, I'm just about to order some new tyres. I've got, I got um, sealant coming out of them everywhere. <laughs> All right, what are you going to get? So I just, probably some um, some more Maxxis tyres. Oh, yeah. Yeah, i got Maxxis on it at the moment, so I really like them, so I'll get some more of those, yeah. Yeah, nice, there you go. Anything else, news? No, that's about it. Um, yeah, just stuff around the house, mate. <laughs> Same as you. I'm not in as as big a lockdown as you, but um, yeah, still can't really go anywhere. So smashing out all the odd jobs. So when we do come out of lockdown, I'm free. I got a message off uh, one of our mates who listens to the podcast, Jed Hendo. He unfortunately broke both of his <laughs> wrists. Poor bastard. Shout out, Hendo. How you going, mate? But uh, he enjoyed your wrist brace review, mate. He probably needs a couple, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I hope you're going all right there, Hendo. I know we're all stuck at home, but you've been stuck at home for a while now. So Wasn't that on a brand new bike too? Brand new KDM 500, I think. First ride. Oh. I think or something. <laughs> Spewing. <laughs> that sucks. Anyway, shout out, Hendo. hope you're going all right, mate. And Yeah, that wrist, rev- wrist brace review, Jed, obviously did all right. If you didn't see it, guys, Jed did one on our socials, so check it out. I got me Shoei Adventure Helmet. Oh, yes, that's it. Yeah, you mentioned mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, so the Aero, I got rid of that. I did a review for anyone who wants to read it. It's up on our website. So I got the Shoei, went for a ride on it just before we all went in, or before I went into isolation, and, mate, it is the ticket. Love it. Well, Gab will be happy to hear that. She's a Shoei girl, so. It's the bee's knees. So really like the Shoei Adventure Helmet. Again, I'll probably do a video or a, review or a story or something on the website or the social so when i get out of this situation we'll get that done so that should be good but i was also watching just finished watching this morning the red bull imagination did you check it out yeah i did yeah it was crazy it'd be fun scary yeah huge jumps oh did you see the one of um uh was it sipes and hill going around the outside of the hay bales just just oh we'll just launch across this gap here like and then they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's only 110 feet. Yeah. It's like yeah. 110. And 
Sipes' rear end kicks out one way and then he, he flicks it back the other way up the up ramp. It's just... And then, oh, it's, yeah, crazy. Seely just jumping odd jumps and... Um, who was the other rider? There was another rider there. I can't remember. I should have had that up, but anyway. Um, yeah, and he hit, hit this big jump. They called it something. And, he yeah, I have to find it. I have to find it. Yeah, right. It was crazy. Like, Hill was sending it. Durham had that big case out on one of the jumps. Oh, yep. was it Durham? No, no it wasn't. wasn't. It was no, Berriman. It was, it was someone odd. It was Berriman had a big case out. Sipes' bike stalled in the air, and then he crashed it. I was just like, oh, my God. So crazy. that was crazy. Yeah, definitely something to check out if you haven't already. Yeah, definitely. Mathis is re- reporting, Jed, that Michael Byrne is leaving Rocky Mountain ATV and going to go and work for Cooper Webb. Did you see that? Yeah, no, you just mentioned that to me before. Um, but I, I haven't finished the, the latest episode from Pulp. Um, but, yeah, that's – um, I don't know, that's odd. What do you – I saw that and I was like, huh, that's, I found it odd that he was leaving the Rocky Mountain team, but obviously Cooper must have come up with some sort of like, hey man, I really need you type deal. Cause obviously as we know, Cooper is leaving the Alden Baker setup and he's going to do his own thing at Chad's old place at the 83 compound or whatever they call it. Yeah. So, and everyone reckons Burner is an awesome coach. So... I wonder if it's just got to do with riding and coaching and technique and a lot of that sort of stuff or, yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if there's like maybe a few riders chipping in or something to have him have him out there at that 83 compound. I don't know, I just feel like it's a big move to leave like a, a team, like he's a team manager, to be going to looking after one rider. What happens if Cooper goes, oh no, I'm done next year? Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, maybe that's the case. Um I know he's the team manager there, but I mean, he's still underneath the team owners. So being a privately run team, it's not like, I don't know, but I wouldn't think he has that much say in the way that the team operates. He's probably more there for a a personnel perspective to help just run the the people Mm. and help like with coaching and training and stuff. Cause yeah, like he's not the owner of the private team. So, and he did say in some sort of interview that when all this crap went down last year, he actually did fear for his job at the Rocky Mountain team. He was like, geez, am I going to have a job here? Am I going to go bloody trying to do something else? So, yeah, I don't know. Could that, be a, uh, like, like a Baggett story. <laughs> maybe. But that is an interesting point. Like, I wonder if, like, he's Cooper's guy, but, you know, because the Lawrence's train there, I wonder if they're in mm. on it or... That's what I mean. Like, maybe they could be putting in as well for a bit of assistance. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Never thought of it that way. But there has been a lot of team changes and stuff in the uh, last few days. So yeah, there has been. We actually got yeah. we. Uh, I put it out for questions, and we got some questions on team changes. So we'll have a bit of a chat about that later, and we'll throw some yep. questions out there. Tony Caroli retiring kind of explains that move that we spoke about last month, Jed, with the Dicali team moving to Gas Gas, you know, and going away from KDM. Like we were like, mm, that's odd. Like, wh- why would that team do that? But there you go. That's the penny dropped. Yeah, well, I was actually thinking, uh, I didn't mention it last show, but I was actually thinking, that's odd that he's, you know, he's close to close to retirement. He didn't know that he was going to retire, and the team's changed to Gas Gas, and I was like, does he really want to ride a Gas Gas and finish his days out on Gas Gas when he's been KDM his, nearly his whole life? Like, it's like, I thought it was odd. I didn't say anything, and then, yeah, there you go. It's retiring. Kind of explains it, doesn't it? We might have a 
yeah. a bit more of a chat about that in the GP part. Bit off off dirt bikes, but I got some notes here. I saw it pop up on my Facebook during the week that the Sydney Speedway uh, threw up some updates. So Sydney Speedway was at Parramatta, like as in car speedway, what we're talking about here. And then they shut it down to turn it into a train station or a bus depot or some shit like that. Anyway, so then they've relocated it out to Sydney Motorsports Park near Eastern Creek, right near the motorways, near the MX Dome, actually. <laughs> I was just going to say near the dome that doesn't run anymore. Yeah, near the dome that I'm not sure what it's there for anymore. Is it still up? Does anyone know if the dome's still up? Yeah, let us know if it's still inflated, someone. Yeah, that'd be cool. Mm. I don't know why it would be, but anyway, whatever. Um... So they're putting up updates and saying that, you know, the facility's all getting running and everything. And I thought, as any motorbike rider would like, you know, you look at the hills on the horizon and you think, oh, you could turn this into a jump. Surely we can turn the inside of the new Sydney Speedway into a supercross track. Why not? Why not? Yeah, it's elevated, banks, everything like that. It's, you know, it's going to be an ultimate setup. So why not? Reminds me of the old days, like they used to have it at Parramatta before Newcastle. that. Newcastle? The Newcastle Motordrome when I was a kid. Yep. Back in the day, late nineties, yep. early two thousands, whatever it was. Yep. Yep. Put put Supercross at the Sydney Speedway. Why not? There you go. Told yeah. you Jed's idea. Yeah. <laughs> the bikes and bulldust well, show will take all the credit. Yeah, that's it. No, well, yeah, that's a good idea. It'd be pretty uh, cool though. Like for real, it would be pretty cool, eh? Oh, it would be. It'd be unreal. To, to get back into a speedway style thing like that, so yeah. I saw your mate uh, Lewis Hamilton got his hundredth win, Jed. It did hundred hundredth win. Um, no, you're not much of a Lewis fan, but you're probably a you're probably a Verstappen fan. Um, uh, I'm I'm off the Verstappen bandwagon now. After that move that he put on him at was it Monza? Uh, where he ran over the top of him. Yeah, that was ridiculous, yeah. man. Yeah, and then and then didn't go and check to see if he was all right. That was just walked past and said, "Oh, I could see him turn this turning the steering wheel and that, trying to go." Yeah, but you could probably still go over and tap him on the shoulder and say, "Hey, mate, you want to lift out or something?" But anyway, no, yeah. I agree with it. That was like shit sportsmanship at its best. Like, yeah, come on, man. Like you've just completely ballsed it up. Completely ballsed it up. And then you just walk off like it wasn't your fault. Like, yeah. come on, man. Like, that was ridiculous. He's, he's just a bit immature. He's only 24 years old, immature. Yeah. Like, whereas Lewis is a bit older and and that. But how good's that for Lewis? Oh, Most I... Most winningest driver in F1. Ever. Ever. Yeah, 100%. So, oh, you've got to admire him on the track. Like, he is, I think, the best driver on the track. That's it. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the way he carries himself off the track. But, like, man, he's still unbelievable and... Really admire mm. what he's done. Yep, yep. And oh, incredible Ric- driver. Ricardo got his first win. Yeah, how good's that? How yes. good is that? Yes. Yeah. And what about and that, and that's the that's the weekend that um uh Jet won the title and everything, but um Hunter was wearing his Ricardo wearing gear, Ricardo's replica gear that had the replica helmet and everything. I thought the helmet looked really cool, actually. That was really cool, so, hey. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, so I thought that was sick, like Ricardo McLaren getting a win. Like, I know this isn't an F1 show, but we'll talk about Aussies overseas. So, yeah, yeah, I thought it was sweet. And then um, I haven't watched it, but I just saw it pop up on my socials the other day. Jack Dewan got a win last week in uh, Russia at the GP there. So F3 class he's in. So, yep, yep. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, 
Last topic I've got for you before we move on to some racing stuff. Moto Land. It's opened. Man. How good does that look? <laughs> Just another spot for these Queenslanders to go, hey? Is there any mines in Queensland? I don't know. I was just thinking, like, <laughs> yeah. do we just pack up shop and take our st- stuff to Queensland, Jed, and find jobs yep. up there? Yep. Yeah, we'll just transfer to another mine up there. And, uh, yeah, it's it's Queensland is becoming the SoCal of Australia, mm. I guess you would say. Um, all t- these unreal tracks within close proximity, open during the week. Um, and moto- this moto land looks unreal. Uh, you know a bit more about it. You might have went to the old track that it was called. Tivoli, yep. Yeah. Um, it, it's but, the old Tivoli Raceway. It's not far from Ipswich. Yeah, just, yeah. Just west of Brisbane. Yep. So, um, but yeah, oh, looks unreal. Um, it's actually the promoters of um, SX Supercross Open. Yeah, Adam Bailey um, and co. Yep. Um, so they've revamped it and opened it up and place looks unreal. It's on, it's on my list. As soon as the borders open, I'm going, I'm going. I think I won't so. be far behind you. Like, <laughs> how good is it now? They've got QMP, they've got Motoland, they've got Willowbank, MX Farm, MX Farm, which is a bit north, but they've still got that there, not that far away. Gap got Creek, Coolum, which still isn't all that far away, and they're all got like different surfaces: some hard pack, some soft. Um, yep. Yeah. Oh well, big road trip. Let's just uh, hope something's happening around here. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right, right, let's move on to some racing, hey? Right, hey, Jed, time for a bit of AMA motocross. Let's get into some racing. We'll bring this one uh, by Rhino Power. I've got a delivery on its way. Oh, very good. So do I. Yep. I've got, I made an order the other day. Got a few bits and pieces coming and it's, so whilst I've been in home ISO, I've been using the Apple Fitness Plus thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like a new app thing from Apple. and Yeah, I did see that, yeah. It's just like home workouts, you know, if you've got a mat and a couple of dumbbells or whatever, you can do it. So I've been getting into the Rhino Power and doing the home workouts. So. Very good, stocking up. Yep, 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 stocking up. So I got, I was actually talking to Kurt about it and I got some, uh, I got that carbo fuel. Yep. So I haven't tried that one before, so going to give it a go and see what it's like. Yep, yep. No, it's good keen stuff. To see, keen to see if it helps. So, yep. yeah. For the listeners out there, code BBAU21 to save 20% off. So, use. get yourself a bargain. Yeah, that's it. Definitely. Well, just my opinion, but what a long motocross season, Jed. I know. It seemed long, didn't it? Like, it really did. long. By the end of it, I was like, are we finished yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the riders. Did you see how hot it was at at the or oh, um the second last round at Fox Raceway? How how hot it looked. It's like I'm enjoying this in front of the <laughs> um TV at home. Oh, it looked horrendous. And even some of the commentators, like um I think Daniel Blair or someone, made a comment. They're like, "No, nah, no, nah, there was no way was I going. It was too hot." Yeah, yeah. It's like when people that are like all in on the sport aren't going because it's too hot. You know it's hot. Yeah. So we had Parler and Hangtown and Jeff Emig back in the booth. Yeah, yeah. After Grant Langston's departure, Jeff's stepped in. Um, if you listen to the second last podcast from Pulp Omex, I think it was. I don't think it was this one. They have David Coombs on there and he speaks about oh, yeah. Grant Langston. 
So yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. So I heard that. Yeah, so if people want to know more about the whole Grant Langston leaving the, um, departing the, the um motocross and everything and that, and, and actually you know want to know the the kind of truth, I guess instead of just you know thinking that it's just because of COVID, have a listen to that. It was. It was pretty good. It really adds some perspective to it. And I got to say, I thought Jeff Emig back in the booth now is better than he's ever. Yeah, yeah, he's he's good. I thought he was a bit flat towards the end of his Supercross run before Carmichael came over. I thought he was a bit flat in what he was doing, but I think he's done pretty well the last couple around. Yeah, he he sound, sounded fine, fitted in well, um, working working so, um, side by side there with Wygant, and yeah, it's good for sure. Parlor Raceway was the first one that we'll cover. Tomac two one, Ferrandis one two, so they split the wins there, even points, but. Uh, Tomac got the overall and Cooper Webb 4-3 yep so if we didn't have so many riders out Jed so Osborne's out Cincerulo's out Plessinger's out Sexton is out Barsha is out there's five guys that are well potentially could be top five do you think we see the same level of podium performance so to speak out of Cooper Webb or do you think it was a mixture or where do you sit on that I want to say no at the start of the season. Definitely not. You know, he was just that far off the pace and everything, and, you know, they were there. Um, but towards the end of the season, in these, what, say, last four rounds, he's, since he's made the changes to the bike and everything, possibly. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. My thought on it is I don't know if he would have been a podium guy. Like, he was pretty solid on the podium there at the last couple of rounds. Yeah. I don't think we would have seen that good, but I do think we would have seen him in the top five. Yeah. Because like, you've got to think at the start of the season, he was flat out getting, no, not flat out, but he was like just in the top 10. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But once he made those bike changes, something's changed. Absolutely. But I still think that if you throw in those four or five guys, whatever, that maybe he's not on the podium still, but just my opinion. Yeah. 250s, Jet Lawrence, 1-1, one, one, Michael Merzman, 2-4, Justin Cooper, 5-2, and Jet absolutely waxed him. He did, didn't he? Crazy. Um, <laughs> how many laps has he done around that track? He must have done a few because he just smoked him. There was no one near him. Um, no. Good to see Michael Moseman second in the first moto. You know, he's, yeah. he's been on and off all season, but to actually get on the podium um, there at that second last round is good. Um, RJ, you never know what you're going to get. And Joe and Justin have been consistent all season. I really like the uh, Fox gear that the PC guys were wearing. Yeah. Don't know if you noticed, it was a flashback of the 99 Fox gear that Ricky Carmichael wore. So yeah, yep. when I saw it, I was like, that's badass. That's <laughs> cool. I liked it. Anything else from Parlor, mate? Uh, no, just obviously Jet was unreal. Um, Ken in Moto2. Fading. Yeah, hit the wall. Oh, hit the wall. Big time. Had a bit of a charge towards the end there. And then, like, um, charged right up. And then, within, like, two corners, he was, all the, he was 10, 15 seconds behind again. Like, yeah, he must have been struggling the heat and everything. Like, I wouldn't like to be in that position, obviously. Um, but, yeah, struggled big time. I feel for him in that regard a bit. Like, he's obviously just struggles with his body in that, that aspect a bit. That would suck, man, to just blow up like that. At when you are so fit, he puts in so much effort. Like 
it's pretty obvious to me that he leaves no stone unturned. Mm. And when there's things like that that you can't control with your body, man, that must be a hard pill to swallow. Oh, it would be. And it'd be heartbreaking. Yeah, like it's not like he can control that stuff. No, no. So, yeah, that's tough. Hangtown. Hangtown, righto. Uh, 250s, Moto 1, Justin Cooper, RJ and Hunter. Moto 2, Justin, Joe and Jet. Um, did Jet give you a heart attack in the first race? I was a bit worried. <laughs> I was watching it and I'm like, come on, bro, get it done. <laughs> um, what, what, what do you say? So you're going for the championship. You've only got a place in, what, top seven or eight? Both both motos to get the ch- get the championship, and you crashed twice in the first moto. I I gotta say I was still confident he could get it done, but I was a bit like, Jesus man, you're not leaving yourself much room for error here. Nah, nah, just made it hard for himself anyway. Well, des- well deserved. Absolutely, yeah. Really cool to see Jet get the championship. His first one, obviously, it was cool to see it get all documented here on like seven news and everything too. So yeah, that was cool. A couple of days later, which was disappointing, but you know, yeah. they, they put, they put Ricardo's win up and everything that night um, and everything. And it took a few days to actually talk about Jet and Hunter, which is disappointing. But anyway, yep. Um, 450s, Moto 1, Dylan, Ken and Cooper. And then Moto 2, Eli, Cooper and Dylan. So there we have Cooper Webb on the podium, both motos. Um, Dylan, the man's a machine. Unbelievable ride in that second moto. Yep. What a machine. One of the best motos from him all year. Like, he had another good one. I think it was, can't remember off the top of my head, that we spoke about last show, where I was like, mate, that's going to define his season. And I still think it did, but that was pretty impressive. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> you know, not even knowing that you got the overall and that as well, and don't have to. He didn't. He didn't have to do anything. Didn't even have to. Didn't even have to show up on the day. Um, no. But for him to still put in that effort, because um, he's a racer, I guess. Obviously, you know, he wants to wants to win and everything. Um, so you know, he still brought his A game and and won. And um, you know, Eli and Ken threw in a bit of bit of mixture there as well. But yeah, Dylan's just on another level. Yeah, it was the Bud's Creek moto, the one I was thinking of, where he passed Eli and Ken and yep. came through. That was an epic moto as well. And I think that was one of those season-defining motos where you just look at it and you can see that moto and you're just like, mate, that is why that guy won the championship. Yep. And it was a similar ride from him there in that second moto to end up on the podium from literally being stopped in the first corner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, cool to see Christian Craig lead some laps. Yep. I thought that was a nice thing, like, yeah, someone different at the front. He's obviously really good, and he got, uh, I don't know, sixth or seventh or something like that in the points, which, again, I think just proves why he should be a, four, a full-time 450 guy. So, yeah, really cool. I did have a question for you back about the 250. So, Austin Faulkner, mm. seventh overall in the 250 championship. Is it is that, is that good or is that bad? He's been a title contender in Supercross but has never really done anything now in a while, and he's never done anything in motocross. So is this a good season in the fact that he's going to get better, or is this not that good because of his talent level is just... And he's been a championship contender in Supercross. Um, I have mixed thoughts on this. Mm, I, I don't think it's a good season. I don't think it's a good season for him at all. He should be, he, he should be up there with Jet and Cooper. That's just it. 
Um, he's a title contender. He is a champion. He, I don't, yeah, we're going to talk about the teams and stuff soon, but I really wouldn't have thought that PC would re-sign him with Joe and everything coming up and that. Um, but he's re-signed. What, what's your thoughts? I don't think it's good. I do think it shows that, like, it's a good thing in his own personal level that, like, let's just actually get a season in the books and just kind of put wins and podiums out of out of the perspective for a minute and just race myself into a season and building a base and all of that confidence and yeah. all of the all the stuff that goes with just consistency and getting it done. I think that was really good. But I think if you're pro circuit and you're paying him some absurd amount of money, which they would be, right? He would not be a cheap salary guy. Like, I have no idea what the money would be, but he would have to be on two or three, maybe four times as much as Shimoda, I would think. Probably, yeah. Because they probably got Shimoda for next to nothing because he was coming from Geico. He had no ride. Exactly, right? So they've probably got Shimoda for cheap. Plus, there are other guys sort of working, you know, they're not like McAdoo's Hunter Smith, Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah, like they're all guys who I'd say aren't on massive salaries. So I think when you look at it from that perspective, it's a massive letdown. But on a personal level, I hope he builds it up to be better than it is. So, yeah, don't know. We'll see you again next year because he's still there. <laughs> yeah, I did see that, that the team list for PC dropped. I guess we'll talk about that later, but yep. yeah, interesting. Anything else for you for motocross there, Jed? No, just um, obviously there's been a lot of hype around Jet and winning the championship. It's everyone, you know, kind of forgot that Hunter got third. Pretty good. Yeah, that's true. We never even brought that up. Yep. Hunter Lawrence, third overall. Third overall in the championship. Um, good, solid season. Improved uh, out of sight in Supercross um, and motocross. Yeah, he came over last year or the year before and, you know, blitzed a few races and everything. But he finished the season healthy third. Good, good, good result. And like we were just talking about for Faulkner, you know, like, yeah, he did the season, which is all good in building blocks, mm. but Hunter just did the same and landed that thing on the podium. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a solid season. That's, that's, a, that's where Faulkner should be, but anyway. That's awesome, yeah. Like, if you take Jet out of the picture for a minute, yeah. the whole of Australia is jumping up and down that we just got one guy third in the motocross championship, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, super cool. I'm also interested to see how that Honda goes next year because they're going to have a new bike hunter in Jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think they'll be fine. You know, they'll if 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 it doesn't work, they'll just use tech that they had last year. You know. Oh, 100 percent. But it's a new new. It's a whole new bike. Like yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm not doubting it at all. But I actually wonder whether they they might take a little bit of a step up, you know, and get a bit closer to that star team mm. than they are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Star being the the number one team at the moment, yeah. Could do. Well, yeah, they're going. Like I wonder if going the right direction now. So, mm, I wonder if they find a bit more horsepower out of the bike and all the rest of it. Because I think stock they were claiming something like twenty percent gain at I don't know half revs or something like that in power. Oh wow! Yeah, right. So that's huge. That is. Yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. Massive. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's huge. Like that's not a pipe and a silencer and a set of cams or anything. That is like you're not going to get that with any sort of performance mod. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Unreal. So wrap up of the points there. Dylan Ferrandis, he won by 73 points. 73 points. Yeah, 73 points in front of Eli Tomac. Uh, Ken Roxon was third, 85 back. And that last moto robbed him of 
of second place too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Cooper Webb fourth, 173 back, and Chase Sexton fifth, uh, um, 189 points back. So, yeah, fair way. Yeah, crazy. 250s, Jet Lawrence obviously won six points in front of Justin Cooper. Hunter Lawrence was in third, 116 back. So, Jet and Justin Cooper absolutely ran away with it there in the end of the season. Yep. RJ Hampshire, fourth. 133 points behind, and there was probably about 100 points worth of crashes there. <laughs> I was just going to say, that is an up-and-down season. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe Shimoda in fifth. Um, good season for Joe, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was definitely an improvement. Good, good, solid season for Joe. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we'll wrap it up there, unless you've got something else you want to talk about for AMAs, Jed. Not on the, not, no, not on the AMAs. It's good. Yep. Cool. Let's move on to some GPs. <laughs> MXGPs, we had three this month, Jed. Doubleheader in Turkey and the MXGP of Sardegna, if that's how you say it, in Italy. And there's actually one running today, tomorrow, whatever it is, as we record this. It's the German Grand Prix in Teutonstall. So that should be a good one. Obviously, Did well saying that. Got a bit of German background from the folks in there, so must have been <laughs> what it was. Um, and we also see the EMX class come back at Teutonstall as well because we're going to see Aussie Bailey Malkowicz in that, I think. So he's had a bit of an odd run before I get onto that. Like he was top 10 in the GPs last year. And I know he's only yeah. coming back from a knee injury, but he's flat out cracking the top 10 in EMX at the moment. It's a bit. Yeah. I don't know if something's going on or he's just not up to speed and fitness enough yet or. Hmm. Confidence thing or something maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Just struck me as a bit odd. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Turkey, not the most exciting track. Hard pack, flat paddock with dirt brought in to make the whole facility. Um, I saw some footage and overhead views and stuff like that. The rest of the facility, though, is pretty cool, eh? Like, they've brought all the dirt in for the spectator mounds. The whole pit area is flat as a pancake, and it's all tar. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so, like... It would be the best setup for the pits. Like, no wonder they went there for a double header because for the teams, it would have been really easy. Like, literally just turn up. It's like a big car park. And they just set up all of their transporters. Nice tar. Would have been pretty set easy up, going. Set for two weeks. Off you go. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been pretty good. And it's part of, like, a greater sports facility. So there's, like, a footy or soccer stadium or something near it. A wakeboard park. Um, a whole heap of stuff around it. So pretty cool little area. Like, not the most exciting track, but yeah, still pretty cool venue, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, whoever built it, like, I don't know if it was the Turkish government or whoever, man, they must have splashed a fair bit of coin because the amount of dirt, like, if you look in the background, all the spectator mounds, all the dirt, it's all shaped. So they must have, and then with the tar, yeah, they must have dropped some coin into it. So interesting. Uh, 250s, Tom Vial back on top, one, two. Looks to have recovered from his injury and is getting back on the pace. I thought, and I actually think this in the 450s with hurlings as well, but I think that this Turkish round is going to set the scene for the rest of the year. I think we saw a real turnaround from Vial, and if he just keeps that up, he's going to be the best guy. Whether he gets a championship or not, don't know, because of obviously his injury and he had a few rounds out and some poor results, but I think he's going to be the best guy of the series without too much doubt there. Good ride from Jed Beaton, third overall, 3-3. He was right there in the battle for both motos um, 
yeah, I was pretty impressed with Beaton. I thought he did really well on the hard pack and in Turkey there. Wilson Todd, 10th overall, 11-9. Good ride. Um, yeah, Any? did you watch any of the Turkish stuff, Jed? No, I haven't watched any of the Turkish stuff, no. Four fifties, Jeffrey Hurlings, 2-1. Like I said, I think this was a bit of a moment for him as well. He sort of made his presence known and was the most consistent out of all of the guys. And, yeah, he's really picking up the pace. Jorge Prado, good on the hard pack. No surprise, he's Spanish. They have a lot of hard pack down there. 2-3 for third. Uh, second turkey round, Jed Beaton was a bit unlucky, eh? Matteo Gorgonini sort of made a pretty aggressive pass and then stuffed it all up. And then Jed Beaton ran into him as all that was happening. So that threw him out a bit. But then recovered well, Moto2 for third, for a fifth overall. So good result there. Wilson Todd, seventh overall. He got a fair bit of TV time. He he was right there in the battle with all the factory guys. Uh, he got a fifth in Moto1. He was right there with um, Yago Geertz and Rennie Hoffer and all those guys. Kaida Wolf. So I thought that was really cool, showing some promise and... I think we all know that that's what Wilson Todd could be capable of. It's kind of disappointing that this is his last year of eligibility in that class. By the way, I have some thoughts on this eligibility stuff going on. Anyway, what are you laughing at? Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 450s, I don't know, kind of feels all the same as both the Turkish races to me. Tim Geiser grabbed a win. He was fast there, so, yeah. Italy. Sandy track. Like, Super sandy. I didn't know that they had that kind of sand stuff going on in, in Italy. Jed beaten 7th, Wilson Todd 10th. Man, we've seen some mistakes lately from Matteo Gorgadini. Like, young guy, 18 or 19 or whatever he is, and he's crashing left and right at the moment, just, I guess, trying to find his feet. Um, But I think he needs to pick the consistency up if he wants to be a title contender. He's like an RJ he, of Italy. He kind of has been. He's, like, yep. the early part of the season, he was pretty good, kept it. You know, had his shit together. Like those Turkish rounds, the Italy round, I was like, man, you've got to keep this thing up. I think he was the one, it was either him or uh, or Alessandro Lupino that had to get seventh or best in the MX of Nations for um, Italy to win. It was Lupino, yeah. Yeah, was it? Oh, was it? Yeah, okay, it wasn't Gordini. Yeah. He was loose though, yeah. eh? <laughs> yeah, he was loose as. <laughs> so... Um, while I'm on Italy, uh, Hurlings went 1-1. No surprises there, especially in the sand. Um, mm. But again, Jorge Prado was right there, and he fought for it pretty hard with Hurlings. So I thought that was pretty impressive. We have uh, six rounds still left to run. Um, sorry, nine rounds still left to run. Six of those are in Italy, with the others being scattered around. So we're only like halfway through the GP series. So still a lot of ground to cover there, Jed. Yeah, long series, definitely. Yeah. Right, let's move on. Motocross Designations. So, yes. do you have any thoughts at all on why we didn't see an Aussie team? Uh, well, I don't know, because we've got Jed Beaton and Wilson Todd there. And Bailey Malkowicz. And, but like, there's, like, I, know, I, know, I know it's not maybe who you really want to send, but it's still representation. So I don't know. I don't have any theories, but I, ju- I thought it was odd that we couldn't send those three. I thought the same thing. Hey, like I saw some politically correct press release come out from MA saying, due to bullshit, bullshit, we can't go. And I was just like, they're there. This just feels like an excuse to me. Like the way it was written, 
this press release. I can't even remember. I, I don't have it in front of me, but it pretty much just said, due to the current circumstances and climate and borders and travel and corona and cost and we can't go. I don't know. I just feel like it was all a big excuse and someone was trying to organise it and just went, this is all too hard and just threw their hands in the air and that was the end of it. Like, I thought we could have done better. Yeah. I don't know the exact in and outs as well, but something changed. Was it 1st or 2nd of September as well? Um, I understand the US not going. Australia had riders and a team there, so they, 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 they could they could have went. I understand the US not going, um, you know. Yet uh, things change with travel and permits and um, things like that. And probably the three riders I'm going to send are probably test positive for COVID and wouldn't be allowed back mm. <laughs> or something. They'd have to isolate over there. Um, and that would be fair enough. Yeah. Like, I could yeah. totally understand if there was nobody in Europe and we're like, well, we're not going to send Hunter and Jet because of obvious reasons. And we're not going to yeah, send, yeah, you know, Luke Clout and Kyle Webster. Again, that's obvious. No one needs to even tell us why. Like, I get it. No, but when you no. got three dudes there, and I, there was a few excuses getting thrown around, like, oh, look, we don't want to... The riders are in the middle of a championship. Okay, well, Hurlings Road. So, if it's all right for Hurlings, why would it not be all right for Jed Beat? All of them. It was basically an MXGP race. It was, right? So you can't, it was an MXGP. So you <laughs> can't tell it. me that we were saving ourselves for the championship. I just don't believe that at all. No. Second one is, it's in Italy... Is there travel issues getting in and out of Italy? Okay, I don't know. Let's say there is, right? Well, then how come everyone else got in? But they're there. That's what I mean. Like, if there was an issue to get in and out of Italy, how come the whole scene was there? And then, like I just said, there's still six more rounds of the MXGP left. All, like, sorry, nine more rounds. Six of the nine are in Italy. Yeah, that's how, Yeah, they're there. They're ready to go. Everyone's there. Like, like yeah. Like, what was the holdup? Like, I did someone yeah. just kick up a stink or did someone say this is all too hard because it had to be one of those two because there does not seem to be any other reasonable excuse yeah I, I don't know yeah I don't know doesn't seem good <laughs> enough to me I don't I don't like it that's Todd's rant yep uh, anyway move on to the race tough conditions oh, did you see see the, see the track sand wet like it it wasn't on par with last year um, but it was terrible. Dude. Look, look good at t- from TV on, you know, or sitting on your lounge. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what I thought. Hey, I was watching it too. And I'm like, geez, a couple of years ago they were in Assen. Poured down raining. Sand, no good. This didn't look like it was better, but not great. Oh, this was defi- def- definitely better. Better than Assen by a long way, but it yeah. still didn't look fun. No, no. So, yeah, really tough conditions. Pretty close racing, but not a whole lot of passing. Looked really difficult to pass in the rain. Like vision would have been pretty bad, and the way the track formed up, it sort of was like really one line. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I was actually going to say yeah, it kind of got one line. Like there was all there was one good line the whole way around the track, and most people were taking that. As soon as they got off that, they got a bit swirly. Um, there was no close racing for Jeffrey Hurlings. Wow! Didn't he absolutely <laughs> smoke them? 50 and 55 seconds. I know. I've got that in my notes in, here. So In race two and three. So we'll go through the motos quickly a little bit. Moto one, Tom Vial uh, put on a few runs at the lead, but he kept getting sprayed by Thomas Kier Olsen. And uh, TKO got his first 450 moto win. Vial second in the two, the first 250F. So 
Yeah, that was epic, I thought. Like, that was cool to see the 250F running that far up front. Yeah. Did you see him taking people out and stuff, but Vial? <laughs> he was ripping just, in. He was just using him as a berm. Just out of my way, mate. Oh, I guess what else do you do, yeah. though? Yeah, that's it. Like, slippery, crap conditions. Like, you just got to get in there and make it happen, don't you? Yep, yep. Moto 2, Jeffrey Hurlings ran away with it. Like you said. 50 seconds. 50 seconds as he crossed the finish line. And did you, I don't know if you saw it early in the race. So he was like second or third or something. And he passed Valentine Gio or whatever his name is. And you could see how early in the turn Hurlings was winding it on. And there was a corner there where like everyone was like still turning and still setting up and getting through the corner. And you could see Hurlings literally just had the thing fully wedged. And it wasn't until you saw that for a couple of turns and then this gap just opened straight up of about, I don't know, three, four seconds in like two yeah. or three turns. And I was like, wow, like that shows you how much faster Hurlings is and where it is because it was just all in the turns. Yeah. It, it was incredible. Like if you didn't get it, the start of Moto2 was where it was really apparent because you could he was with those other guys and you could see exactly where he would turn the throttle on and just watch and be like, that's where he's faster. Yeah, he's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Moto3, a little bit uneventful at the front with Hurlings and Caroli setting the pace. Well, more Hurlings and Caroli, but still. Coldenhoff third. Lupino was the story of the race, though, Jed. Like you just said, crazy. Like, he was a bit loose and a bit out there, and <laughs> Italy were relying on him. Like, the whole thing was on his shoulders. But he managed yeah. to get it done for him. He got seventh, so he had to get seventh or better, and uh, he, he pulled it off. But like he nearly threw it away, like two or three, two or three times. Um, uh, what was it? Oh, he got he got into got into seventh. Was he? Did he get into seventh or got into sixth? And then like two turns later, or two laps to go, he nearly lost the front end in the in the corner, <laughs> and it was nearly all over. And you know, if he didn't get that seventh or better, well then the Netherlands, so Jeffrey Hurling's team would have won, would have won. Um, but he got it done. Yeah, it was. It was wild. Like, that crash he had to was a pretty good one. Like, when he swapped out and went down in that berm at the bottom of the hill. Like, yeah, that wasn't just a little tip over. He hit the ground pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And he was sending it. So, good for Italy. Uh, they were your overall winners on the day. Tony Cairoli, Mattia Gorgonini, and Alessandro Lupino. They were the winners. Second was the Netherlands. Third was Great Britain. Um, good ride from Great Britain, too. They had some good guys up there, like Ben Watson and that. They were riding good. Yo, did you? I think it was Moto Two. Um, when was Moto Two, yeah, Ben Watson had the crash. Yeah, when he scraped his <laughs> foot pegs on the way up that jump ramp. Yeah, but he wasn't on the bike. Yeah, but that's oh, what that happened. Moment, like that... it pulled his feet off. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then he was hanging off the side of the bike. Yeah, and, yeah. It was a good crash. <laughs> it was a real good crash. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you like people watching may not have understood it, but Russia were called MFR. And they were never called Russia on the day. Don't know if you noticed. No, I didn't. Um, I just, real, I just like, oh yeah, Russia. Yeah, but it was called MFR, and I don't know if you ever realised, but the commentators never referred to it as Russia. Oh, why's that? So you know how last, I don't know if you remember at the end of the last episode, you and I were talking with Kurt about um, what's his name, the Speedway guy, um, the Russian fella. Can't remember his name. Anyway, it'll come to me in a minute. Laguda, Adam Laguda, I think it was. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And um, we were talking about sketchy Russians. Anyway, so for those of you who don't know, Russia are actually under a four-year doping ban as a whole country at the moment. That started at the end of 2019. So if you watch the Olympics or anything like that, you'll never see Russia's name anywhere. It's because the whole 
every athlete in the whole country has been put under this doping ban, so they can't actually ride or compete for their country. Oh, okay. So, so why they? What's what's MFR stand for? Motorcycling Federation of Russia. Oh, okay. So they're allowed to compete still, but yeah, they never get mentioned. They never get acknowledged. They never get called Russia. That's just their own little yeah. deal. So there you go. I didn't know that. Interesting. Mm. Uh, nothing else from me there for GPs or MXON, Jed. What about you? No, I've got nothing. Um, obviously good for um Italy and Caroli as well. Going out with a uh, MX of Nations win on his retirement. So good. <laughs> Righto, guys, listener questions for the month. We put the uh, put it up on social media yesterday. Got some got some questions come in, which is good. Um, kick them off, and Todd can try and answer them. Let's see how we go. Righto, this one's from Lockie Foster, um, good friend of ours. So, thoughts on all the t- rider team swaps for 2022? Wow, there's a lot to go through there. Um, we'll we'll s- have to do a separate pod on it. Just about. <laughs> so, in the States... Tomac, I think, we'll start there, Jed. Tomac being the biggest one. I think we see much of the same, to be honest, going forward. I don't think we see Tomac take any big leaps forward or backward or anything. I think we see similar stuff from Tomac. But um, I think it'll be interesting to see how he fits with that team. Like, maybe he gets a bit more leeway to do what he wants or... Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think same thing. It'll be interesting. Um, I really can't see him... He's not going to do a Ferrandez. He's not. I. I just. I just don't think he's going to catch Dylan. He's not going to get back to that. He has his flashes of brilliance. I don't know if there was if there was that many issues on Cowie and he was such res, so so restricted. Maybe it will work for him, but um, time will tell. Jason Anderson, Husvana to Kawasaki. I'm interested to see how this goes, right? Because Anderson has been on steel-framed bikes for, wow, a long time. Um, he was KTM before Husqvarna, so... Well, it was Rockstar... That's, that's K- back in 250 days. That's right. So it was Rockstar KTM, and if you remember, that's when he was battling with Sealy for 250 titles. And before, Taking him out on the last lap. Yeah, before race. that, he was Rockstar Suzuki. Remember when Suzuki used to race? Um, yep. So you're talking, I think it was about 2013 or something was when that... 12, 13, somewhere there was when he went to a, a steel frame bike. I think it was 13 from memory. Um, so he's ridden the last, what, seven or eight seasons, something like that, on a steel frame bike. If he can adjust to the Cowie all right and all of that, then I think he'll be fine. Um, but I think that's probably the biggest thing there for Anderson is just how does he adapt to to that environment with that bike. Yeah, I think it'll be really good or really bad. Um, same thing with the team. They, You know, I know he left Outens and I, and he really, you know, after he won the championship and stuff and he's left, he's, he, he says it in his, um, on his social media where he put up um, yesterday, the day before, thanking Husqvarna and everything, um, how, you know, he's worked his whole life to win the championship. Um, he's won it. Now what does he do? Um you know, and the team still wanted him to stay with Alden, but he left. So maybe the pressure will be off, run his own program, go to Cowie, fresh start. It'll either be good or bad. Yeah, I think it'll be all right. I just think we see... Yeah. I think he's sort of old enough, mature enough, 
and all of that, that we don't really see too much change out of Jason Anderson. I do hope we see a little bit more consistency out of him, um, just because yeah. he hasn't been so much. Like, I know he's been injuries, and you don't wish that upon anyone. So if we can sit, I'd love to just see him stay healthy and get through the next few seasons, because I think he can just be that yeah, top five guy again, moving forward. Yep, definitely. Um, there's a few 250 guys moving around, but I don't find them terribly interesting. I saw this morning Honda put up a press release of an amateur guy they'd signed and PC Kawasaki were doing a few things. Jordan Smith, to me, was the most notable one, obviously mm. leaving the pro circuit team, which I think is about time. I don't think he deserved a spot there, but just my opinion. Back here in Australia, I don't think there's going to be too much happening, although there is that 250 ride possibly opening up at Konsky's team. Don't know who takes that. Um, so, yeah, that'd be interesting. Although I did see Jay Constantino move to the Empire Kawasaki team locally as well. So I don't know if that's going to be a longer-term deal or just for the rest of this season. I would like to think it's probably the rest of this season and next moving forward, considering it's October. I don't see why you would jump ship for a couple of months when there's no racing. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, next one. Yeah, righto. Righto. Uh, Pup275. Uh, M- MX Dome. Uh, why did it fail? Will it return? Um, I guess we just point back to that a current affair story, don't we, Jed? Yeah, like we've we've already we've already spoken about this. Um, you've you've put the feelers out. You've emailed, DM'd everything. Um, no response from anyone. Uh, we've had a few uh, on the side responses mm. um, from some pe- from some people in the know, but we you know won't say too much about that. But um, I think it's it w- yeah. Like I, all I can point to, pup, is just if you Google search MX Dome a current affair and go onto the Nine Now um, website where you can watch that stuff back. I think it comes up there, and pretty much it's just a big um, ego measuring contest between a few people. Um, it's alleged that the uh, part owner and operator of the facility didn't pay their bills and allegedly the the rest of the owners aren't particularly happy about that and they shut the joint down and then there's the lease of the go-kart track involved and then they've shut the gate because they never got paid and God knows. So uh, no news and I think... Who knows? Who knows, but my honest opinion is that it turns into a go-kart track, so... Yeah, yeah. Anyway. And uh, Ash Coop asked about that as well, so... Yeah, we um, had a few about yeah. that. I had some other, even in my personal ones, about that as well. So, um, yeah, no news on that one. Jed? Yeah, we'll just wait and see. Hopefully it does open up, gives us somewhere else to ride, but we'll wait and see. Hey, who knows, maybe maybe it'll get revamped with the Speedway going out there as well, you know? Yeah, so. look, don't hold your breath waiting for it, but let's hope so. Yeah. Right, our next one, JM169. Uh, if you could only interview one person uh, to interview on your podcast, who would it be? Wow, that's a good one. Hey, um, you know what? I've I heard it on another podcast, and I reckon maybe we'll ask it in our five or ten questions or whatever we do, Jed, where they ask the person they're interviewing, who's someone you would like to see us interview for our podcast, and you get yeah, some yeah. interesting responses. Hey, like in these other pods I've heard. So, um, but anyway, if there was one person I could interview, Jed, do you have someone interview. off the top of your head? Uh, I don't know whether I'd go old school or someone recent. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, 
I don't know. Like I think, uh, yeah, it, I think I think someone who'd be fun and really good to talk to, someone who, um, you you know, he used to like a lot and watch Villapoto. Oh yeah, I think he'd be a good talk if he's not drunk. Um, and then yeah, you could go old school as well. So you know, you got your McGrath, Emig, any any of those old school kind of guys. Um, yeah, Rhino. There's some Aussie guys that I find pretty interesting that I looked up to a bit as a kid that I would like to have a chat to at some stage um, that I've never really heard on some stuff. Like, I don't know heaps about their personal lives, I guess, but or, or like what they actually did. Like, I just remember being a kid and thought they were pretty cool. So, like, Glenn Bell, Craig Dack, those kind of guys I think would be pretty cool to talk to. Um, but one guy I just sprung to mind right now who I think would be really good on a podcast and you'd have to think a lot about your questions too would be um kiwi josh coppins yeah uh i've done a few launches with yamaha and he's been at them and you just you know have a chat to him at the yamaha things and because you know obviously he's part of the whole yamaha thing and helps develop bikes or he was at the time and some of the stuff that he was talking about at these launches just like off the record stuff you're like wow what an interesting guy like been in Europe, rode for Suzuki, rode that Aprilia, rode for Yamaha, for Rinaldi, now running his own program. Really interesting perspective and humble dude, but has done a lot and seen a lot. Like, just really interesting character. So maybe Josh Coppins, I think, would be one that I'd like to do. So, yeah, that's my answer. It'd be good. Righto, Chris rides bikes, 34. So Chris Holton, local fellow, he lives down the road from me. Uh, people upgrading bikes they can't use properly standard. <laughs> oh, I love it. This days is days of my, days of my lives. Well, you're Jed. You are the classic one of saying when people say what's done to your bike, you've said the line, mate. Mine is straight from Japan. That, I, I do, don't I? <laughs> yeah, I forget that I say that. I do. I always say that. People say what's done to it, and I go straight out of the box, mate. Straight from Japan factory. Um, except for my suspension. I get my suspension done. Yeah, the last person who you um, worked on your bike, mate, was a Japanese engineer. That's it. Exactly. Yep. And Chris Wood's performance um, on the suspension. And, and But the, the, other, the, the other part to that is too, um, people always say to me, um, you're still riding a 250. Why, why, don't, why, why don't you get a 450? Why don't you get a 450? Um, because I like the 250. I don't like 450. I have fun on the 250. Um, if I was riding the wheels off of a 250 and my name's Chad Reed, Ryan Villapoto, someone like that, then, yeah, I would get a 450. Same thing. People go people go out and buy buy a 450 or buy a KDM 500 or something, and they, they can't use all the power. They can't. They can't use it all. You'd, you'd be better off on a 250. Yeah. I, or a 350. Like what I've got. Exactly. You had the same thing. Mm, yep. You had the 450 and you're like, I'm a bit too much power, I'll go back to a 350. Yep. And how much more do you enjoy it? Yeah, it's yeah. I love the 350. I think it's the best bike. It really suits me in the way I like to ride it. So, yeah, but <laughs> it's funny you say that, Chris. I'm a, um, I have this conversation with a few people, right? And I'm on a few of these pages on Facebook that people like with Africa Twins and Adventure Bikes and whatnot. And... The standard response that I see, it cracks me up, and I think this all the time. When people say, I'm going to do some engine work or put a pipe on or do whatever, right, to get more power. Do you know the easiest way to get more power, Jed? 
turn the throttle? No, get a bigger engine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Buy the next size bike. <laughs> if you have a 250, yeah. right, and it's not fast enough, buy a 450 or a 350. Don't spend yep. five grand on the engine. You're not going to get anything out of it. You'll get yep. one or two horsepower that you probably can't use. Just go and buy a bigger bike. Yep, that's it. I just It frustrates me to no end that there's these people out there who think, like for average riding, right? I'm not talking about professional level racing. For just me and you type people, oh, you're, I need some more power out of this. I need to do that. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't need any of that. You need to buy petrol and go to the track and ride it. That'll make you go better. Yep. And if you need more power out of your 250, go to the bike shop and go, how much for a new 450 or a new 350? That's the yep. easiest way to get power. That's right. Because like, I'm on these adventure bike sites, right? And there's these people with these Africa Twins, which are 1,000cc, or the new ones are 1,100cc adventure sports bikes. And they're like, oh, who's put pipes and who's put power commanders and who's got more power? And I'm like, what the hell do you need more power than 1,000cc's for? And if you do, go and buy the KDM 1290. Mm. Like which I, you said was really fast. You, you test ride. I haven't ridden, ridden one on... In um, a few years, but yeah. Yeah, my old man just got the new KDM 1290. And mate, second gear, come out of a turn, pin the throttle, and your wheel stand power wheelie for as long as you want. <laughs> it's got more power than what I... And, and it'll like leave blackies where it skids the wheels. Like if you come out of a turn and rip it, it'll wheel stand and wi- like skid at the same time and leave big black marks on the back wheel. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. If you want more power, just get a bigger engine. It's a hot topic there, Chris. So I thought it was a good question. <laughs> so did I. I'm going to write back to some of these actually on our socials. So anyway, uh, next yep. one. Next one is from Alex Volker 122. Um, again, can you try and find out what the go is with the ranch and if it will ever open again? Same. Days of our lives. We've tried. Um, we've tried. We've but. reached out. We've got no response. Um, but what I can say very confidently and without... Um, breaching the trust of a few people that we've got on the inside here. Uh, that facility is currently closed because of council. So blame whoever you want for whatever you want. Uh, and there's certainly some responsibilities that I think people aren't taking responsibility for in this whole thing, namely the current owner-operators. But uh, the that facility is currently not allowed to operate due to the council saying that they're not allowed to operate. So... Uh, before that ranch opens back up, it has to be stuff fixed up on the property, back to a standard that the council are happy with, before anything can proceed. So until the current owners, operators, whatever you want to call it, fix that, it's not going to happen. Um, yeah, I. that's all that I know of. I, it's the same thing. We've We've reached out. Tried to find out, tried to ask. Um, even though Starkey, who lives there on the premises, and he doesn't even know. Yeah, exactly. So There is a little bit more to the story, but it's kind of not really truths. It's just like rumour type stuff. And mm. I don't know. It's not the right thing to go spread rumours that may or may not be true because I don't know whether they're right. But I can absolutely say that stuff about the council is true. Um, so... It's just going to be a Mexican standoff, I think, between the council and the owners and, and the club. Um, Keith Davies is obviously still the president there, so, yeah. 
Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. Did you have any more questions, Jim? Uh, no, there was just one there from uh, Shane Keach. When is uh, Hammy on? He's a man of mystery. He is a bit of a we're, man we're of mystery. <laughs> I've reached out to Hammy, um, yeah. but he's a bit elusive at the moment, so we'll keep working on it. He's too busy working for uh, I Can Dig It, mm, I think. Yeah, but I'd love to have him on. I think I'd probably have some different perspectives to Hammy at times on a lot of things, but it doesn't really matter. Like, I think he's knowledgeable and interesting and and has a good perspective like probably not the same as mine but i think that's kind of more to it right like why not yeah that's it one day one day it'll happen we'll we'll work on it i think he's busy at the moment and a bit elusive and he's got things going on so we'll try we'll we'll get there but we'll hunt hunt him down we'll get there yeah he's a local guy so we'll get him on at some point do you have any other questions jed that you want to ask no no um no Righto, sweet. All right, we'll leave it there. I'll answer some of these two on our socials and um, righto. What's next? Righto. Um, product review. Righto, let's do it. So as I started to say there in the last show, Jed, I bought my kids a Stasic electric bike. Um, I think you'd have to have been living under a rock to not know what they are at this point, but kids electric balance bike, same size as like a learner size bicycle. Get them in two sizes, 12-inch wheels or 16-inch wheels. Obviously, they're called the 12E-Drive and the 16E-Drive. The 12 is $9.99, so 1000 bucks, And that's aged at three to five-year-old kids. And the 16-inch is thirteen fifty, and that's aimed at five to seven-year-olds. So my daughter's uh, five at the moment. So she's a bit big for the 12-inch, but she does ride it and rides it okay. And to be honest, she quite has learnt quite a lot of skills on it, just riding around here in my yard and out the front and um, whatnot. I live in a little cul-de-sac, and I know it's not exactly fully legal, but who really cares? I chuck the witches' hats out on the road, and <laughs> the kids ride around the the roundabout at the end of the, the cul-de-sac roundabout at the end of the street and up and back and through the witches' hats and learn some skills like that. And it's done them the world of good, I've got to say, so... Yeah, I, I rate the bike. I think they're unreal. You can get branded ones if you don't want the Stasic ones. So Stasic ones are available through, or you could order them through any dealer. Um, they're distributed in Australia by Cassins. So yeah, any dealer should be able to get them in stock. You can also get the branded ones, as I just sort of said. Uh, KTM, Husvana, and Gas Gas are selling them. I think the prices go up between 50 and 100 bucks, depending on which one you get, Jed. Yeah. Um, just obviously because it's branded and... They've got to make a dollar out of it, I suppose. That's how it works. Electric motor chain drive. Um, the 16-inch has a brushless motor, so it's also a fair bit faster and more aggressive as the 12-inch doesn't have the that capability. You've got uh, three speed settings on both bikes, fast, medium, slow, and they're all adjustable. So that's just like a little bit of a process. You press this button, turn the throttle like that, and follow a few steps to change it. But it's a bit too complicated for the kids to do, which is good. So the kids can't change the speed setting on their own just because they're sick of dad holding them back or mum or whoever. Um, so I've got mine set on the medium speed around the street because otherwise the kids go way too freaking fast. And if they crash, they're going to crash into someone's car or off on the someone's car. front door. Yeah, and I don't really want that. But on the grass, uh, I have found that both the kids, after only a couple of weeks, was on the fast setting on the grass and off they went. Um, 
The 12 inch comes with a 2 amp hour battery. 16 inch comes with a 4 amp hour battery. You can get an extra spare battery, uh, 5 amp hours for $269, which is a ripoff, but anyway. Um, yeah. Jed, there you go. Stasic Kids yeah. Bike. Yeah, they're the go at the moment. And I think for developing your kid, if you know, if you if you're a bike family and everything, or you want to get your kids into bikes, I think they're the way to go for developing and improving their skills oh, at a young age to get them going. Yeah, like I've had it for I don't know, probably six weeks now, and my kids have come so far uh, in just confidence and skills and all of that sort of stuff. Like the yeah, the increase in their confidence mo- mainly is through the roof at what they're just keen to get on and do and have a go. And they yeah. ride this thing almost every day out the front. Um, and, yeah, I can't believe how much they've come along since they've been riding this thing, just with throttle control and balance and being confident and all of that sort of stuff. And I'll get to this in a minute. We'll talk about peewees and training wheels, but uh, I've since got the kids both on the peewee without training wheels, and it was purely because of this Stasic. They just jumped on the peewee and off they went. No training wheels and, yeah, like looked like they were doing it no problem. So, yeah, I, I'm really impressed with the Stasic. I think it's a good thing. Um, I think it's a little bit overpriced, if I'm honest. I think it's a bit steep and I think that's going to put some people off at nine ninety nine. Like, I understand that they've all got to make money and charge whatever things are worth, right? But I got to admit, I think it's a the price is a little bit steep, and especially at thirteen fifty for the sixteen inch. If you're trying to get people into the sport and drag them in, I think that's a little bit much to ask. Um, there are some cheaper ones out there. If you do some googling and look around and all of that, you can find some cheaper ones. I don't know if they're any good or not, but yeah, that's my opinion on that. What do you think about that pricing, Jed? Yeah, just depends how how into it you are and how much you want to get your kids into it. Like you said, you know, there there is other cheaper knockoff brands. Um, is the quality as good? Is the battery going to last as long? Can you get parts for it? Do people want to work on them? Um, that's all the questions you've got to think about. And Stasic has a good brand, good reputation. Um, good friend of ours, I don't for people who don't follow him, but Miles Bowen. Um, same as like you said, his young fella has just improved out of sight, and he's going bush. Every he they they're going they're going out to all the mountain bike trails. Miles is on his mountain bike, and his young fella's on the on the little Stasic, and this kid is just crushing it. Yeah, I've been messaging um, Miles and saying the same thing, and because he oh, okay. he bought his young fella the battery for two hundred sixty nine dollars, because I was talking to him about can you get other brat- batteries that aren't the Stasic brand, and none of them fit yeah. unfortunately, but. I think he went through three batteries the other day. Yeah. That's how long they went for, yeah, you know? Yeah, um, So. But the batteries do run out pretty quick, I've got to admit. If you have it on full speed and you're on dirt and grass, you might get half an hour out of it if you're lucky. Um, yeah. If you go to the bigger one, I think you get about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, yeah. But on the, on the street, on the medium setting, I probably get... 40, 50 minutes out of the battery. So it's not too bad on the street. Like, obviously, much less resistance on the engine. Mm. Um, and like I said, I think at $269 for a 5 amp hour battery, that's an absolute rip-off. Like, compared to batteries of Milwaukee, of Makita, blah, blah, blah. Like, you can't tell yeah. me they're no difference in price. So I think, um, if I'm honest, I think Stacey could got their hand in the cookie jar a bit as far as dollars go. But your kids do learn a lot. And they are a really good bike, so yeah. Yeah. Now, before we finish off the product review, um, 
I did want to quickly talk about kids' training wheels for Pee Wee. So you put me onto these, Jed. So yeah. if you guys are ever in the market for some training wheels, you can get training wheels for Pee Wees that mount on the rear and are spring-loaded so they move up and down as the bike tilts backwards and forwards. So they're about 200 bucks. You can get a few different brands, Stutter Bump, Mini Moto, two that I know of. And if you do a quick Google search, you'll be able to find them. I got mine for 100 bucks off Marketplace. And they're so much better than the centre-mounted fixed ones that don't move. So, yeah, unreal. It's coming up to Christmas, so, yeah. Yeah, and that's a we used to fit a lot of them um, back when I was a mechanic, um, back in the day. Um, you know, you, you know, and when I started, you had the ones through the centre or stiff ones on the rear. Um, but with these ones, they mount on the rear. Um, and as the kids improve, so well, they're, they're got as you say, they've got springs on either side, so they've got shockies. Um, so as the as the bike turns, they have a bit of give in them, but you can wind them up. So as the kids improve, you can you can wind them up and um, lift them out of the way. A bit. Yeah, increase the 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 gap, I guess, between the ground and the wheel. So when they actually do turn, they're actually turning on themselves um, and learning. So I think I think they're a good product. Yeah, I'll take a few pictures of all that stuff, throw it up on our on our socials, and go from there. And Jed, hopefully we can get some riding in this month. We're due to open up here in a couple of weeks, and we can dive into some of your products you've been buying. Yeah, well, I see the islands um potentially going to open up this month as well once we come out of lockdown. Um, so that'd be good. Yeah, I've got some foot pegs and some things to try out. I need to get some more laps in on. Yeah. Um, and a um, bit more development on my suspension done by Woodsy on the 125. Interesting. Let's go riding, eh? Well, we're about finished the show here, Jed. I don't have too much more to talk about. I've got a social post here, but what else have you got going on? Anything you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, no. Um, no, all done for the month, I think. So I came across this, I don't know how I saw it, but I came across this page, Salt Motorcycles, and they've got a KTM 300 two-stroke TPI that they've turned into a cafe racer. Have you seen this, Jed? I did send it to you. I've only just, yeah, only just sent it in the last half an hour when you sent it to me. Um, and the first thing I picked up on was, well, it's, you know, it's obviously different. It's a cafe race style thing. Um... Is it a KTM? So it appears to me, right, that this guy's got a KTM 300 EXC, road regoed one, um, taken all the tank and plastics and everything off it, modified the suspension, so just shortened it by the looks of things, and then made all of his own guards and stuff like that and bolted it on, and then made a big two-stroke downpipe, like underneath the engine, and it's a cone pipe as well, so it's all little sections. And um, man, it looks epic, hey! Like really different. It's it's weird, <laughs> um, but like you say, like it's the cadmium frame, the um, the engine, the front and rear suspension, the triple clamps, everything. It's every all all that is still looks genuine and standard. It's even got the the the, the two stroke filler bottle on the top still. Um, and then, yeah, he's just bolted on a basic, um, well, I shouldn't say basic, but, you know, he's got a um, sp- speedo and everything up on the on the handlebars there and the actual handlebars mount off the front suspension. Yeah. Um, swing arm is all stock. Yeah. Um, they look like, like, not 
like the genuine discs and Brembos and stuff like that are still on it. So, and then it's just got a big like pod filter hanging off the side of it. Um, so certainly some differences going on, but men that would have a bark on the road, like 300 two stroke on the road, like geared up as a road bike. Oh, imagine it. It'd be unreal. Yeah. It'd be pretty um, cool. To- imagine- <laughs> Top gear. It'd be pretty cool. Um, can you, <laughs> can you <laughs> imagine this thing going down the road near just bah! Yeah. Um, I don't know if it is or not as well. Like it looks also looks like it's got a two stroke performance. Um, for people who don't know them, two stroke performance company that do does you know modified heads and barrels and um ECUs and stuff. Um, looks like it's got one of them on it as well with a cone pipe. That's pretty cool, man. Like recluse auto clutch on it, so you don't have to worry about it stalling and carrying on. Like you can just ride it a bit like a four stroke, so you're not having to worry about all of that. Like with the auto yeah. clutch, but. It's impressive. You know what? We should reach out to this guy and see if he wants to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, and ask him about him because, yeah, it's different. It's cool. I'd just love to know how we come up with this idea. Like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a KDM 300 and turn it into a cafe racer. Like, wow, yep. that's a lot of effort. And they're all the rage at the moment, so everyone's into the cafe racers. Bolt your surfboard on the side and off you go. Anyway, we'll repost it and put it up, and yeah, it's pretty interesting. I like it. Yeah, it's good. Don't forget to get your Rhino Power too, guys. Jed, what was that code again? It was BB... BBAU21 for 20% off. And that's, um yeah, for the Bikes and Bulldust podcast. Um, for all our listeners there, 20% off. Um, yeah, just go straight onto the Rhino Power um, Australia website and type it in at the checkout. And there you go. And hopefully, Jed, I get out of lockdown here without too much... Oh, home isolation soon yeah. in the next... You're in isolation, not lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it ain't lockdown. It's home ISO. So hopefully I'm out of that here pretty soon and can get back to work and get back to life as normal. And then we can get out for a ride. I'd be pretty happy to be doing that. That's the plan. Hopefully by the end of the month we're talking about riding instead of um, – or we're actually riding instead of talking about it. So I did see too that MA have put a few deadlines up to get some series running if they don't have sort of concrete information by some – I think 15th of October was their deadline for a few series. So I think halfway through this month, roughly, you're going to see some information come out from Motorcycling Australia as to whether we see AORC and possibly the Pro MX get running again this year. Um, Supercross, obviously, scheduled for early next year is the initial thoughts. So fingers crossed, Jed. Yeah, might have to do a trip to go to a few. Yeah, why not, hey? It's always a good time. Yep. Well, that's about it from me. Jed, anything else you want to talk about before we turn this show off? No, that's all I've got as well. Yeah, that's good. Well, Mace, mate, it was uh, nice to see you on the FaceTime here. I haven't seen anyone other than my family for a while now, so I'll catch you pretty soon when I'm back at work, and let's catch up for a ride, eh? Yep, that's it. See you next month. All right, see you guys next month. <laughs>